Welcome to the Changing Churches Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Couch, pastor of Christ United Methodist Church in Mobile, Alabama. This podcast is for transformational church leaders who want to lead change in their congregations. This season, we're talking to church leaders from all around the country about church staffing, one of the most challenging aspects of leading a church. Get ready to hear some great wisdom to help you bring needed change to your church. I'm so excited today to have Bill Allen, Dr. Bill Allen, who's the lead pastor of First United Methodist Church of Canandaigua, New York, which is up in the Finger Lakes region of New York. And I'm so glad to have Bill with us. His Bachelor of Arts is from Houghton College, which is in New York, and then Master's of Science in Education at Alfred University. Then he got his MDiv and his DMIN from Asbury Seminary. And I'm so glad to have you, Bill, to talk uh, on this season of Changing Churches podcast, where we're talking about staffing. Welcome in, Bill. So glad you're here. Thanks a lot, Rob. Um, Very much appreciate being here and uh, appreciate uh, I, I appreciate being in the Finger Lakes, which are currently covered with more than a foot of snow. And uh, so that makes uh, for fun winter sports. But uh, yeah, uh, it's a privilege. And I, I do want to say that uh, I have served uh, most of my ministry with my wife, uh, Reverend Kristen Allen. She and I have uh, worked together. And so uh, uh, probably we could say all anything good that I know is just Pretty much, I stole from her. So. Absolutely, I, yeah. yeah. I know Kristen well, and he speaks the truth. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> yeah. So Bill, uh, Bill, right now has enough snow for winter sports. About four years ago, we had about a half an inch of snow in Mobile, Alabama, where I'm serving at Christ United Methodist, and uh, it's uh, different worlds that we live in in terms of weather. But I'm so glad that. Uh, you look like you're pretty warm and, and things are going well. And yeah, uh, Kristen and Bill are, are a clergy couple and they've served together. And we're actually going to let him speak a little bit to that later uh, later on. Uh, but they also, obviously, clergy couples are sort of always serving together. You know, they're serving different churches, perhaps, but they're supporting one another, helping each other out, uh, planning together, all of those things. So it's really valuable to have your uh, perspective today, and I'm hoping to get Kristen on on the podcast at sometime soon in the future. Oh, great. Uh, Bill and I got first met each other back in 2005 and 2006 when we were a part of a learning cohort in the Asbury Seminary's Beeson Pastors Program, which is a doctoral program. And Bill and his wife Kristen and their family, all of whom were little kids at the time, uh, were <laughs> our next door neighbors in the little townhome right next door. And my wife and I moved uh, moved in with our one child at the time. And before we left, uh, ten months later, we had another child <laughs> before we left. And uh, Kristen and Bill have been great friends of ours uh, all of these years over the last sixteen years. And it's been fun. We get to catch up with one another. They visited our home here, and one day we're going to make it to New York to visit you too. That'd be awesome. But Bill, I'm just <laughs> so excited, great. so excited to have you in. We've had a great great friendship. And I'm really excited about uh, Bill being able to share with us his insights about church staffing, because he's had a lot of experience with that in the churches where he served. And he served a variety uh, of size churches, type of churches. And uh, I think he's got a lot, uh, a lot to really, really, um, really, really give us some insights that maybe, maybe some of us haven't thought about. So one of the first things I want to ask you, Bill, is what are, what are some of the greatest challenges that you faced when it comes to this area of staffing? Um, I, it's interesting. I, 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 you know, contemplating this thought, this question, and, um, 
I had to really be honest and say that uh, location is truly an issue uh, for um, uh, some folks. Um, for instance, uh, you know, I, I live uh, in uh, New York State in uh, Western New York, and that proved a challenge for um, uh, folks. You know, would you like to come and live with the snow? And there were a significant number of people who were not interested in that. So, <laughs> um, and you know, take away that dynamic. I think that if you are in a non-metropolitan area, attracting strong staff to a strong church can actually prove to be challenging because um, there just may not be that many people around uh, or if uh, there are, um, then you're asking them to move um, into a place which yeah, maybe is uh, less populated. So so location is really, uh, as I thought about it, uh, a true issue. Um, certainly competence. I mean, <laughs> you get lots of uh, um resumes and uh you know information is shared and you immediately can say well no this is not really the skill set we're looking for um or the the experience that we're looking for so i think that that's uh that's an issue um and that weeds out lots of people in one sense it's it's great because it helps make decisions um, easier. But in another sense, uh, if you are scrambling, uh, then it, it, it it's uh, challenging. And, and kind of going along with that, um, churches are sort of uh, infamous uh, for um, offering um, uh, pay, but maybe not benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sort of depends, obviously, on you know how big your church is and 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 how much funding you have. But sometimes, uh, especially if you're in a, a somewhat of a smaller church environment, you know you can pay somebody a, a decent wage compared to other folks in that area. But then when you get into health insurance or um, pension or that kind of thing. Um, SPRCs tend to say, well, that sounds like I'm paying a pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so I've found that uh, one of the ways to get around that is if you have somebody who has a spouse who has a a job with the school system or the government or something like that, and who already has those benefits, then that seems to open doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those are some of the the challenges, I think. Coming from, see, I'm not. I'm not coming from Alabama, West Florida, where you know people are flocking all the time to <laughs> the opportunity to work for Rob Couch. I mean, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's easier to see snow than it is to see humidity, and so people <laughs> imagine that it's very comfy here all the time. And we just make sure we bring anybody in. We bring them in the fall or the spring, and they're like, and we, and we tell we them, we tell them this is what the weather is every day, you know. And this is normal. And then later on in August, when they're swimming through the air, uh, they realize that maybe I should be in upstate New York. I think that would be more fun. I think I'd prefer. It is perfect in the summer. That's yeah, true. it is. It is, and I, I, uh, I, I do. Uh, I, you know, the snowbirds, I think, have it right. I think they know. If we could all do it that way, it would be really awesome uh, to do that way. Yes, yes. Well, kind of as you look back in your years of ministry, what are some of the 
just some of the most important kind of key things that you learned about hiring great staff that I think would help other pastors? Uh, yeah. I, um, I think that patience is uh, more of a factor than I, than I ever thought. I, I uh, uh, came into a church um, where uh, there had been uh, sort of a, a blow up in the, um, the youth pastor situation and that had gone down nine months before or so. And, uh, there was a, a wonderful volunteer who had been sort of a, um, a helper and who had stepped into the role. And I, I mean, this was a huge role and, um, there were a lot of great volunteers who were, who were, um, serving together and, and he was coordinating, uh, but the, the, um, the urgency was palpable and uh, you know, people saying, okay, we, you know, we need to get a youth pastor and, or a youth director. Um, and uh, uh, it was hard to be patient to find the right person. And um, uh, I, we, we, we sort of found a stopgap person uh, but I, you know, I, I, in a sense, I wish I could have been patient longer, but I think that at the same time, you have to be very sensitive to, uh, the church system that you're in, how much, uh, can the system handle and whether that's, uh, uh, change or whether that's, uh, what you're asking of volunteers, uh, you just, you know, you need to read that and, um, and be careful to, sort of adjust your choices based on that. Um, and, it's, you know, staying reading it implies something else. And that is um, what I would call emotional intelligence. Um, absolutely having people who can connect with other people in a very natural way, um, who don't need to be sort of coached about that kind of thing. Uh, it's just crucial. It's crucial because people make their decisions about a person literally within minutes, maybe even seconds. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, if you have somebody who is struggling in that area, um, it really, (laughs) um, that will become a challenge that, that may be insurmountable. And so, um, that's one of the things uh, I feel like hiring staff that that's huge. And then of course, I mean, this seems incredibly obvious, but, but I mean, spirituality is huge. I mean, um, where are they theologically? Where, where are they in uh, self-care practices? Where, where are they in, in, in spiritual self-care practices? Um, you know, is this a person who, is spirit filled? Is this a person who is um, exuding uh, hope and grace and joy? And, uh, you know, not in a, uh, uh, I'm always happy in that kind of way, but, mm-hmm. but just in a, what is their posture uh, towards the world? Um, and that, that um, spiritual depth uh, will shine through and lack of it will shine through. And those things are 
uh, important and they have ramifications if you decide to cut corners. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those are some of the things that have helped me or have certainly risen to the top in terms of, okay, we're going to hire staff. Well, we better pay attention to this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. It sounds like each one of those are, you've, you've learned some lessons along the way. And the the (laughs) one about emotional intelligence is interesting to me. There's this apocryphal story about a pastor who once lamented, you know, I would love ministry if it wasn't for all the people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And uh, of course, uh, without people, there is no ministry, but there are days that I feel a little bit that way, man, this would be so much easier if the people just did what I wanted them to do, you know, and just, and, right, right. And, uh, but you're right. If, if a person doesn't have those uh, people skills, it, it, there's almost no level of coaching to get them uh, to mm-hmm. that place. And I mean, it's some, some of that can be learned, but yeah, I think that's really good. Well, um, mm-hmm. one of the things I would ask, you know, when I ask it, I really appreciate your talking about the context where you're coming from, because you're not alone in this, no matter where you are in the country, um, maybe not snow is not a problem for everybody, but many people <laughs> right. are. One of the things I love about churches is that they they grow everywhere, and yeah. uh, and they are everywhere. And many many pastors probably feel that sense of I don't know where to find staff. I'm in a, I'm in a small town. I'm in a rural situation. I am mm-hmm. um, uh, m- maybe there's there are geographical things. Maybe there's not industry. Maybe the area is not growing. There are all those challenges. So when you realize you've got a position open, you need to find someone. Uh, where do you typically go to start looking for staff? Where do you find staff? Uh, you know, we always uh, contact um, uh, Christian colleges, um, institutions nearby who are already dedicated to be uh, putting out um, uh, Christian leaders. So, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a sort of a, an obvious step. And um, I think that, um, you know, it doesn't just have to be a Christian college. If you have a, a vibrant uh, ministry campus ministry in a, in a secular institution, that can still be a place where there's a lot of people who are, uh, you know, being trained and, and who are uh, growing into strong Christian leaders. Um, I think that um, the, the, uh, conference connections that you have um you know it's as it, it it's as simple as saying well we better get this in the district newsletter or the conference newsletter and and uh sometimes that um uh produces uh connections sometimes that's not a, a direct thing the person doesn't see it but another one of your colleagues sees it knows somebody in their church who's moving to your area or who has aspirations in these areas and, and wants to uh, grow into that. And you say, mm, yeah, this, this could be a good possibility. Um, and I, I mean, obviously the internet uh, indeed is uh, a place that we actually uh, have found a lot of um, staff um, just putting it out there. And that's where uh, you'll get somebody from quite a ways uh, away, but who is, not scared to move or uh, interested in uh, taking the next step in their own ministry. And it's, it's okay for them to, to relocate, to do that. So I think that's, uh, those are the primary areas Um, and, and word of mouth. I mean, that's, that's just a huge thing. Mm -hmm. 
So um, you mentioned Indeed.com, which I believe is mm-hmm. it's a human people who are looking for people. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with that particular um, mechanism, and maybe there's some others you've used, but any pointers about using that or about how to make the most out of that? Because I know I've had some mixed results and about every time I get ready to hire someone, it's like it shifted, like it was monster.com and then it was church staffing.com and then it was this. And I remember found one of the, my best staff members was on Craigslist, which normally you shouldn't find anything on Craigslist, but <laughs> amazingly someone told me I should put it there. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. I'll do it. And, ama- and lo and behold, one of my best hires came out of Craigslist of all places. And I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. So it's always shifting, but tell me if, could you just Facebook, give me a little bit Facebook of sense? marketplace, Rob, Facebook, Facebook marketplace. that's the new place. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you can buy yourself a snowmobile or get a staff or person. get a youth minister. That's right. Maybe a youth minister on a snowmobile. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just, I know that, yeah. uh, and I don't even, just any pointers you can give me about using indeed.com or something like that. I mean, you know, both on the posting end as well as maybe receiving the, the resumes. Yeah. I, okay. So uh, in terms of posting, um, I think it's, you know, a post is crucial that it is well done. And so this is not something to, a handoff to, you know, somebody who has reluctantly volunteered to, all right, I'll, you know, I'll write the paragraph. You know. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, this is something that probably you as the pastor who really wants to shape the kind of people that you're finding and the kind of ethos that you're creating in the church, that's something you should write. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, or, or at least significantly edit from uh, an initial write-up by someone. Um, conversely, uh, the information that comes in is uh, easily handled by a good, competent, um, organized person who uh, can kind of sift through a lot of things, uh, give you some ideas about uh, these seem like, you know, uh, grade A people. These are a little more grade B. These folks, we don't even think they're in the c- category, you know. Uh, so that that can be very helpful. And I think that, um, you know, one of the challenges always for being a pastor is uh, uh, how do you get, how do you, how do you just um, appropriately delegate mm-hmm. and, and, so delegating the whole process of responding. So somebody, somebody responded. And so having somebody be right on top of that, an immediate Thank you for your, mm-hmm. um, your application. We've gotten it. We have a certain date that we uh, plan to look at these by. You'll hear from us from a certain time mm-hmm. period. And, and those kind of logistical things can be super helpful to have, uh, your SPRC or HR or whoever is is helping in the mm-hmm. process. So that's um, that's a wonderful thing to not land on the pastor's desk. Yeah. I think those are important. I think also um, just jumping right on it. I mean, wh- wh- whether it's getting the post out, whether it's um, uh, you know responding to the people uh, coming in, and if you see a a strong applicant. I mean, that's somebody you want to respond to immediately, mm-hmm. and you you want to let them know, 
you know, already, uh, hey, we're we're interested in you. So um, I think that that kind of uh, immediacy is helpful. Yeah. That, that that's it, it. Sort of doesn't matter what the platform is, but I think it's a matter of respect and a matter of uh, of competency to to be right out in the process. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I've used some of those different ways over the years, and um, one of the things that does can happen is that you get lots and lots of applicants and a lot of them are not, they don't, they don't match. It's like they didn't even read the job description or the yeah, requirements absolutely. and those sort of things. So it's pretty quick, but I always uh, would say, Hey, if, if you, um, if someone, some great candidate call, you know, let's call them, you know, and go ahead or email them back and then call them and make sure they know, cause you want to jump on that because chances are they're, they're sending out a lot of resumes and you want to, if they're interested in your position and, they look good. And I have, you know, I've had some success finding people through those kinds of mechanisms mm-hmm. as well. Uh, that's really mm-hmm. helpful. I'm, I appreciate you sharing your experience with that. Um, also, the, another thing I wanted to ask you, I've got our, one of our uh, questions that I ask every person coming up. But before we get mm-hmm. to that, some pastors tend to hire from within and mm-hmm. maybe promote a great lay leader or a great volunteer. But some are very adamant that they're going to hire from outside. Maybe certain positions are that way. Um, how do you typically approach that that kind of philosophical question about hiring and staffing? Yeah, uh, I uh, absolutely am willing to hire from within. Uh, I, I think just the the fact that the person understands the ethos. I mean, getting somebody up to speed on the culture of your church is a huge amount of the orientation process for new staff. And that's a very um, intuitive thing. Uh, and, and some people intuit better better than others. And so... Um, especially if you've moved somebody in from outside of the area, they're going to have to do a lot of emotional work to uh, catch up on, on everything. I mean, you know, they've arrived and and they don't have a dentist or a doctor. They don't know where to take their car to get fixed. Um, it, it, it just, it, it, it's so many things that they are learning. And then if you have somebody from within the the culture, um, that's huge. So I, I think it's uh, a wonderful thing. And, and we actually have done that quite a bit as well. And I think that um, it also creates um, a um, an atmosphere of call. So you have young people who are in your church who are saying, well, you know, um, maybe someday I'll you know, lead the praise band. Maybe, maybe I could be the children's director sometime, you know, maybe, maybe uh, I'm starting to uh, show uh, skill levels in, in um, uh, even, even, uh, you know, building maintenance or um, uh, secretarial staff or that, you know, I mean, it's just great to have uh, people who um, can dream a little. And um, so I I think that's, and of course, um, you know, that creates a, a sort of a culture of call uh, for young people into ministry as well, uh, into pastoral ministry is what I mean. And so um, sometimes there's stepping stones on that. Well, I'm going to be a youth director for a while, but not always. And and sometimes you have people sitting there saying, wow, I 
I feel really called to this. I, I'm headed off to seminary, but boy, it would be great to to come back and be an associate here. Um, so I, I think overall, uh, I mean, I guess I understand new blood is helpful, and there are sometimes when systems are stuck or uh, uh, in need of revamping on some level. And in that case, I really get the idea of of uh, bringing in somebody from the outside. But in a certain sense, especially within the Methodist system, <laughs> your your senior leadership is almost always going to be somebody from the outside. I mean, the, the bishop and the cabinet have uh, decided that you as an elder are headed uh, to this this new location. And so you are the new blood. <laughs> and in that sense, yeah. um, if you can surround yourself with people who believe in you and are loyal to you, but who also understand uh, the context, that becomes incredibly useful to help orient you to the system because it's going to take you a couple of years to really, you know, move in and and start to become trusted. Yeah. yeah. One of the assistants I had in my church in Prattville, Alabama, she had grown up in our church and actually was at the time not currently attending in a member, attending another church, but she knew everyone. And if I ever had a question, she could <laughs> paint the entire, uh, yeah. not just the, the, the immediate family kind of family tree, but everybody connected and everybody who was ever, you know, this person used to date in high school. I mean, she knew it right. all. And uh, in that church, that was very valuable to have someone with that kind of information. I was really glad that the church, the pastor who hired her years before me, had found her and and put her in that position. And uh, she was just a, a outstanding, outstanding uh, leader in that church and helpful, too. So, yeah, I think that – and I think back to you, what you said about some of your challenges, I think – when, if you're challenged because you maybe it's harder to get people from outside to come in, maybe it's um it's just it's just easier to elevate people from within. You got great people. Uh, it makes sense that you wouldn't that you would not you don't forget about that valuable resource that's right there, Absolutely. sitting in the chair, sitting in the pews, ready to step into step into ministry. Well, yeah. Bill, one of one of the things that I'm doing at every episode during this season is. I'm highlighting a book that I became familiar with when it came out about six years ago by Patrick Lencioni. It's called The Ideal Team Player. And I'm asking every per every guest on the, this season to tell me kind of their thoughts about this, this the basic idea of the book. And basically, and I don't know how familiar you are with the book, but he basically argues that the ideal team player on a staff or in a business is someone who is hungry, humble, and smart. And of course, Hungary is someone who's kind of self-motivated, go get them type person, humble somebody who really, they just show humility and what they do and how they work. And then the third thing is smart. And this is the one that always requires a little more explaining. Smart does not mean intellectually smart so much as it is people smart. It's kind of that EQ you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm asking each each guest this season is, um, how would you rank those three things when you're thinking about trying to find a new staff member um, in terms of their being hungry, humble, or smart? What order would you rank those in? Yeah, uh, this was neat to get this question uh, from you and uh, and and be able to kind of play with it. Um, and I, to me, this is a very clear answer. Um, once I had thought about it uh, enough. 
I and, and you heard it in my my opening answer that emotional intelligence. Um, so so uh, smart, <laughs> absolutely number one, uh, and and that's because you know if you have somebody who is hungry, I mean they may be highly diligent. I I have had staff members who are extremely competent and and highly diligent. Uh, uh, and I, both, uh, diligent and possibly, possibly humble, humble. I've had other ones who are very humble and very gracious and very, you know, looking out for other people. Those two qualities are huge, but if you are constantly in conflict with other staff, if you are a person that folks walk in the door and feel like they cannot relate to you, um, then that becomes something which I think is an impediment to everything else. It doesn't matter how um, diligent you are, hungry you are to, to work hard. And it also doesn't matter how much you recognize the help of others. Um, I, I feel like uh, that emotional intelligence smart is, is number one. I would put um, hungry second. I think that um, you have to, find people who are able to work on their own. Everybody has um, certain supervisory needs, certain management needs. And I think a a good manager is a person who figures out what the needs are of their people and then changes their own management style in order to meet those needs. So you've got some people who really do need um, more direct coaching and others who will be more than happy to find, all right, give me the task and then just get out of my way because I'm going to do it really well and I don't need you to micromanage me. And I think those are qualities which are um, in- incredibly helpful to, to, to have self-motivation, uh, diligence, that kind of thing. Um, and you you can adjust how you lead them. But if they don't have that, you know, um, it's really hard to, to coach that. Um, and humility is, um, it's almost, um, in a certain sense, it's a personal characteristic, but in another sense, it's a coachable thing. I mean, I think you can really look at somebody and say, okay, um, you need to recognize the contributions of your fellow staff members. And so um, let's work on you uh, beginning to compliment people. Let's uh, have you be writing thank you notes to your uh, volunteers and to your other staff. And, uh, you know, so I think that's coachable. I, this, this really brings up in my mind, the whole concept of, um, of KSAP, which you, you probably know about uh, so knowledge skills abilities and personal characteristics and and i think one of the biggest takeaways i've had is that you can coach knowledge and you can coach skills so knowledge of course is you know how much um knowledge you have about your topic you can always send people to conferences you can have them read books you can grow them that way. You can, it, you can, in your supervisory meetings, you can say, you know, Hey, let's really talk about uh, this topic. This seems to be an issue that uh, is happening in your ministry. So let's, let's, let's work on that. Let's become an expert in that area. 
um, you can coach skills. Um, and in a sense, I, I think that, um, you know, paying attention to others becomes a skill that, um, that can be uh, changed. But when you get to abilities, um, you know, I think of music, like uh, some people are just, they really struggle with musical ability. They just don't have it. Right. Okay. So if you have somebody who is musically uh, has a lot of musical ability, then they can pick up a new skill. I, I, I entered the very first church I entered, we had a strong youth group, uh, but it was a small church. And so it was not, there was not money to uh, get a youth leader. So suddenly Kristen and I were the youth leaders and, you know, my violin skills, which were great when I wanted to play in the orchestra, uh, were just not going to hack it for youth group. And so I took some guitar lessons and I learned my, you know, 14 chords or whatever it was. <laughs> and suddenly I could play every chorus, uh, you know, out there. And that became incredibly valuable to that youth experience. So I did that because I had musical ability. If you're tone deaf. Mm-hmm. That's not really something you can you can pick up uh, a skill in. And then that personal characteristics. Oh, man. Um, I just think of a staff member who I realized one day was relying on other people to um, kind of greet them. I, I, I just I just had this sort of shocking. Th- oh, my gosh. This person walks down the hallway and and does not have the sort of outgoing characteristic to say, um, Hey, I'm, I'm comfortable enough with myself to say, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. It's so great that you're here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how are you doing today? And, and as much as I tried to coach that staff person into that, I mean, I tried hard <laughs> and uh, that did not, that could not change. And people felt that very deeply. This person is not a connector. And that ended up uh, being something which just, uh, we, we, we had to let them go because I mean, they were not connecting and it was having a significant impact. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I guess that brings me back to that smart being number one, because I just feel like that's a personal characteristic that, cannot be coached um, and maybe hungry's in that category too. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah I, really, uh, I, I know it was interesting that you said that, you know, humility, I, I kind of think of that as a personal characteristic too, but I really, I think you're, you were onto something that there's some humble behaviors yeah. that you yeah. could do, even if you aren't humble. And I mean, let's face right. it. Um, that's the one I struggle with the most. Uh, I have, um, I'm honest about that. And, um, I, I have to remember to be humble and to act humble. That humility is not just a internal, if it's internal, it's going to naturally flow out of you, but there are behaviors, you know, not if, if everybody, if someone says, Hey, what's a, where, where, what's a great idea. I don't have to be the first one to say. This is a great idea. I can wait till someone else says that. I mean, there's <laughs> things you could actually do. So I really I appreciate that because I've often thought about hum- humility is really totally a, a hardwired sort of piece. And I think there is a it is a personal characteristic to a degree, but I do think there are humble behaviors. And I, I, I appreciate that. You know, write a thank you note. And I think that's really 
Really helpful. So yeah, thanks for answering my question. I'm really fascinated to hear how each guest will answer that because I have a feeling each one is going to approach it a little differently. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The next question that I've got is uh, really pertains to you because you are one half of a clergy couple. Uh, you and your wife, Kristen, of course, are serve has served as both as co-pastors at a large church where, where you were not uh, not too long ago, and you did that for several years. Um, and then, obviously, you also uh, serve, you're both clergy couples serving in individual churches right now. But how did you approach, especially when y'all were serving together as co-pastors, how did you handle this area of ministry in terms of staffing? Um, just, so just a little background, um, 23 years of clergy couple in the same church. Uh, that's that's kind of our in, in in the last two years in our separate churches. So we joke with each other, and we're like, you know, oh my gosh, how's your, how's your church? Oh, it's so much easier now that I don't have to like you know check in constantly <laughs> with somebody else. Um, uh, and that's really, and, I mean, and I, I'm thank glad you reminded me of that because I forgot how many <laughs> years you did that together. Which is, I know a lot of clergy couples, lots of my friends are that, and most of them haven't had that opportunity to work together. And, yeah. and so this is why we really, really wanted to hear kind of how y'all handle that. That's great. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So what, here's what I would uh, say about that. First of all, you know, we always say two heads are better than one. I mean, I feel like it, it was a huge, huge gift to constantly be in a situation where, you know, two separate people are looking at a candidate or who are, who are are dealing with a staff member in some, maybe some disciplinary situation or, or a supervisory situation or an evaluative situation. And um, it's, you just get a, a more full uh, sense, uh, sort of a fully or full orbed sense of, of the situation. And I think that's just helpful. Um uh, another uh, element, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, people say, "Well, who's in charge?" You know, and uh, and you know, we would always say, um, "Well, kind of think of it like your parents." You know, we're a unified front. You know, so and we worked very hard. I mean, I always referred to Kristen as Pastor Kristen uh, because that really reinforced that uh, it doesn't matter that I'm male and she's female. Uh, were were equal, so when it when it came to staffing, I mean, this is a this is helpful in the sense that the number of reports that you have can be completely split between the two of you. So uh, that is a that's a wonderful gift. I mean, yeah. you just so if you have senior staff who needs to report to a pastor and not to another um, staff person, um, you you can split that. Um, and, uh, I mean, certainly the tasks, Kristen and I always, uh, joke, um, uh, she, she doesn't mind writing and, and, uh, but doesn't particularly love to be on the phone. And I'm like, I'll call anybody <laughs> for anything, <laughs> but just don't make me write the newspaper, the, the newsletter column. I mean, that's, you know, like, that's like death to my soul. So, so we, we had this deal for years, you know, uh, she'll write, okay, you, you write the stewardship letter and I'll call five people for you, you know, uh, so that, and, and in terms of staffing, sometimes, um, 
you know, that that came down to various uh, administrative tasks uh, Kristen enjoyed more and 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 I jo- enjoyed sometimes more of the direct interaction. Um, but um, I think those those are, are helpful areas. Uh, it, it just really the two heads more than <laughs> are are wiser than one is probably the, the primary one. We still do that now in separate churches. Um but um, you know, you don't know the person quite as well. And so you're sort of it's almost treating each other like coaches. Um and hey, you know, what do you think about this? And and uh we're able to kind of give each other wisdom. Um so I I think those are the things maybe um it also gives you a lot of wisdom when you're dealing with disciplinary type things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that really brings me to a question I wanted to ask you about is, is how do you handle a situation when you have a staff member who just isn't performing at the level you need them to? And then how do you, how do you handle that? What do y'all, how do you do it? How have you and Kristen done that? Yeah. Well, you're a very gracious guy, uh, Rob, (laughs) because so often, I mean, it's not, always um competence i mean sometimes it's uh just really bad actions we we would (laughs) we would often uh close the door uh of an office that we're in and go okay good times have come again are you ready for this and and like share something uh that that maybe needed to be dealt with directly so um yeah, I I think that uh um dealing with staff uh especially in a larger church uh that can consume a huge amount of time. I I it's funny because I remember uh, interacting with colleagues who, you know, only had a uh, administrative assistant or a secretary or something, you know, saying, "Oh, man, I wish I had all, you know, the the folks uh, working for me like you do. And I remember thinking to myself, I used to think that too, but, (laughs) but, but literally hours, days of my week at at sometimes could be dealt with, uh, trying to deal with, um, uh, staff conflict, um, and, um, and incompetence and sometimes rebellion. I mean, you know, um, uh, we, we had a, um, uh, we had a worship leader who uh, was struggling with alcohol. We didn't know that. Uh, we kind of realized it on Easter morning when his um, leading wow. was a little bit off and um, that sort of precipitated things. Um, so, you know, that, so, so what do you do? So I, I think that documenting things um, on a daily basis is huge. Um, just absolutely write it down. It's a pain. You're like, oh, I just want to go home. Nope. Write it into their log. What happened today? How did they respond? What did they do? What other staff members were involved? Uh, how did you respond? All those things, huge. Um, and and I would say as well, communicating with that staff person that there is something uh, going on that they need to change. And, you know, that cannot be sort of, um, general, they need really specific things from you and they need specific ways that they need to change. And, um, and a recognition that, um, 
that you are as 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 much of a friend and colleague and you know person who supports them and you're their pastor uh as much as that you also have a a, re, a requirement really to hold them accountable i remember somebody saying to me once you know we are not uh required to uh you know morally required to give these people jobs i mean that's not mm-hmm. that, that's not part of our ministry requirement mm-hmm. so if they are um having episodes of bad acting or if they are incompetent um it's it's okay to hold them accountable to that with uh with consequences so um i, I think that um you know sometimes uh being clear about a communication plan. How will you tell uh, the rest of the church that something is going on? So our, 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 our staff person with alcohol needed to go to rehab. Okay. Well, how, how are you going? What is your plan to tell? Because there are people in the church who hold positions who do not want to hear that and who shouldn't hear that right. in the newsletter. Right. Uh, the, the, people are going to immediately run to them after the announcement on mm-hmm. Sunday morning or, or, or whatever you're doing, or, or the, the email goes out or whatever. And they're going to say, you know, what's going on. So absolutely. If your SPRC has been working with something and your chair couldn't be there for some reason, you, you got to talk with the chair. Then as a, a matter of courtesy, you know, you go to your ad board chair or your, your uh, church council chair and kind of let them know. Now, they're not necessarily in SPRC, but we had a policy that um, uh, the, the church council chair did not sort of have a say. But as a matter of courtesy, because people would be coming to them, uh, they at least knew what was going on. And so even though, you, you know, you're not allowed to share sort of personnel details. Right. Right. Uh, at least that person can say it's under control. I know that the issues that you're expressing are important and they've been dealt with Mm -hmm. and they're not being ignored. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of thing. And you may have a situation with a moral failure. You need to be upfront about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, friends, um, this is the situation. We're, we're not going to hide the fact that this person ha- has needed to go to rehab. We love them. We uh, we want good for them. We have a plan to uh, uh, rehabilitate them. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, sort of smart goals that are required. And uh, when they're achieved, uh, we will preferably, you know, work to bring them back. Uh, but we're we're not going to sort of sweep it under the carpet. Right. Um, I, I, at the same time, sometimes somebody needs to be let go or something. Somebody is being disciplined in a way that can't be hidden. It, it, there's um, a need perhaps to say, this is not a moral issue. No, mm-hmm. this is, this is, this is not, this is not you know, financial. This is not sexual. This is not, um, right. lying or whatever. This is, this is something else. And, uh, you don't have to necessarily say what it is, but sometimes it's helpful to say what it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a fine line because, yeah. you know, I mean, technically you could just say, we don't say anything about staffing issues, right. but when you have a 
church system, which functions like a family. Um, I think there is some shading there where you, you don't have to tell what's going on, but you can at least reassure that some things aren't going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are, you know, there's definitely in my HR people here at our church are very good at helping me know what I can and can't say and what I can and can't yeah. do. And uh, of course you have to be very sensitive to that. And so anybody, uh, if you are dealing with a personnel issue of any kind, really, and you maybe are in a disciplinary or maybe having to let somebody go, um, it is just easier to never say anything about anything. Um, but uh, but I, I do think that there are um, just, and depending on where you are in terms of your state or wherever you are, the, the, some of the rules mm-hmm. like that change. Because you do have to be careful about what you divulge about uh, staff and things like that. And I know uh, I remember – you know, one time somebody told me the only thing we can say is that this person worked from this day until yes. this day of our church, you know, and, yep. and so yep. when somebody calls to get a reference and you go, well, he worked here from January 1st until March 31st, you know, that's all we can say. And, uh, yep. and of course, if I call for a reference and that's all someone says about them, yeah, there's probably like, a problem hmm. somewhere there, but, um, <laughs> well, and it sounds like to yeah. me, like you're, you're documenting when there are problems with the staff member and you're documenting those things. And then you let them know that there are issues. And I'm assuming you're, are you doing that in writing along with maybe some verbal uh, description too? So they're very clear about, you know, what the problem is and what they need to do about it. Yeah. I mean, I think in writing, you need to define success. Yeah. So, so what, what, what is the definition of success for you to be through this? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that's, that's clear. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to ask them okay, this is kind of crazy. So uh, here we are. I I understand it's a little embarrassing. Um, What, you know, what do you think would be a good definition of you having sort of worked your way through this? Now that doesn't mean you have to do it, but it helps them have ownership. And it also may be something that you hadn't thought of. And, and it may be something that, um, uh, you know, you can really incorporate and in, in, in a sense, it, it gives it, it continues to let them know that you're honoring them, mm-hmm. even though there are challenges. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, I think, I think that's important, it, but uh, oftentimes I, it would come verbally, you know, through a supervision moment. Like we, we used to, we used to have a, a weekly supervision with it with larger staff um and i, I i'm in a, a situation where I, I i don't do this quite as much as i used to mm-hmm. but um a touch base moment each week i you know uh, uh managing by walking around um you know is is sort of a, a famous thing from from business in a sense i do a lot of that now a, a little bit more yeah, show up, you know, how you doing? How, how's how, how's everything going? But there are certain people that I have come into my office um every week, you know, let's let's discuss. And oftentimes that may be because they're they're new and they have more responsibilities and they just they need that. But that touch time became a time to say, okay, just to be clear, um, this issue has come up again this week. Now I'm not telling you to kind of beat you down, but I'm just telling you that this is here. And I, man, I, it's a balancing act that I don't know that I've uh, always 
found uh, perfectly because you don't want to discourage somebody. But at the same time, if you just kind of hit them out of the blue after several weeks of saying, you know, good job, you're hanging in there. But you're all those times you're also saying, boy, I'm going to have to deal with this. Then that feels like a real blind side to them. So, so I don't know what that balance is, but uh, I think that part of it is the, the verbal and the, the connective that comes in an unofficial way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't written. There's something right. about being written yeah. that just, you know, feels yeah. going in your permanent file, you yeah. know, yeah. but, uh, but the, the verbal can be more of a massage uh, of the, of the information. Yeah. And so, yeah, it sounds like just depending on kind of where, what the problem is, where you're, what's happening and maybe what's happened, maybe the verbal hasn't worked. And so you got to get to mm-hmm. the written and all. Yeah. That. Right. Yeah. When the, yeah, you kind of given some warnings and it's mm-hmm. like, all right, we need to take it. Clearly, up this is level. not getting through to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and that was part of my own learning experience to realize, you know what? Uh, some of these things are in that personal characteristic category mm-hmm. and yeah. it's not getting through because this person is, that's just not who they are. Yeah. They're not able um, to do this. So the, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah which is tough. Well, the last thing I want to ask, and I'm asking all of our guests this season about it, is for you to tell us about one of the best hires you've ever made. And just as a caveat, I want to say to everybody that Bill has ever hired, he <laughs> wanted to talk about you, uh, but, he had, but I made him pick one person. So I'm sorry, but it just it's the one that popped into his mind. And certainly, Bill, you don't have to use any names or even talk about the church, but you're welcome to do that as well, however you want to answer that. But I just love, I love to hear the story of a time that it worked and that you, you, whatever you went through, whatever happened, and then you found someone great. And just uh, what's one of the best hires you've ever made? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of, uh, of um, somebody uh, sort of inside the system. Uh, we were um, uh, looking for a, a children's director um, and uh you know, there were people that we were finding and it didn't really seem. And we had a, a, a volunteer who was um, just incredibly competent. I mean, she had uh, been um, uh, high, high up in, in uh, an organization, uh, sort of a business organization, uh, but she had super high emotional intelligence and, and her calling to kids. I mean, her sense that children need to know Jesus was extremely high. So um, she went back to school, got her um, master's degree in, in um, uh, you know, education and um, graduated at the top of her class. And, uh, and we kept on saying, you know, uh, this would be a great job for you. And, uh, and, and her response was, uh, actually reflective of something else I'd said, which is you can't pay me enough. And the, and it was absolutely <laughs> the truth. Yeah. And, and we just had to say, you know, you're right. But sometimes the call of God is um, into a category where you're not getting all the, the, the benefits. So uh, her husband uh, had an amazing benefits package. Um, and uh, she was a person that, you know, we really planted those seeds. And uh, one day she walked in and she was like, wow, 
I have been praying, praying, praying about this. And I really sense this. Well, I mean, she started out part-time as our uh, children's coordinator, but she very quickly ramped into um, our youth coordinator as well and um, created an entire program that was um, really based around high touch relational connectivity. So um, it was, it was sort of the strangest youth program I've ever seen there. There there were not a lot of organized games. Hmm. (laughs) It was a lot of, uh, hey, let's get in and sit around and, and talk about these challenging issues. And because of her ethos, it created an environment where those kids wanted to do that. And so, yeah, there was always good snacks and, you know, there was always fun time. Uh, but uh, they had conversations which were uh, powerful, powerful and life changing. So wow. she uh, eventually uh, became uh, um as, as we continued to say, you know, I, I think there's more, I think there's more. And um, she, so she became a deacon and um, uh, has been active um, in that church. We, you know, the Bishop uh, uh, felt that uh, he needed us in, in, in other places, which was great. And it was a uh, positive moves for us, mm-hmm. but um, she has been just a huge part of that church. And I, I think sort of, one of the absolute foundational pillars of, of keeping that church healthy. And so when I think about, you know, who's your, who's your greatest hire, I'm like, hands down. Um, that wasn't, that was an easy one to come to mind. I love that story because it's like, you saw that in her, maybe even before she saw it in herself. Absolutely. Yeah. Before. Yeah. She would like scoff and, you know, no, you know, and yeah. <laughs> it took some, uh, persistence. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally I meet people and I tell them, Hey, when you get done making money, call me. Cause I'd like, I got a job for you. And, yeah. That's uh, a good way. I've to got a, a friend of mine who will be one day will be a great administrator. And uh, <laughs> one day I might need a great administrator. I've got a great one now, but if I ever need another right. one, uh, I told him when you get done making money, cause we can't pay him, uh, what he's making, uh, where he's administrating now. So, but that right. is a great story. And I love that just every, different people. And, you know, uh, there's all kinds of ways to find staff members, but that cultivating yeah. that in people you see, and it may not, it may not bear fruit that week, that month, that. In, oh my gosh! That yeah, year. that was like a, it was a two year process yeah. just to start it, but then another three before she entered the deacon process, and you know a few more after that. So yeah, wow. And no. she's a force within the conference. I bet. I mean, she's a. Uh, a person that other people look to. She's in leadership positions. She's on the board of ordained ministry. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah. a it's real a, win. There. It's a big win for the kingdom, for the conference, all of those things. Yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I hope everybody's thinking, and um, I think we're always thinking about this and we're thinking about who is that, who is that child? Who's that teenager? Who is that college age person? Who is that volunteer who's really good and passionate about volunteering, but maybe they don't see this in themselves. What what are we doing to cultivate those things and give, give them that idea that may come to fruition later. That's really great. I love that. Well, Bill, I want to thank you for the time that you've given to this. And uh, I really think you're going to help a lot of people uh, as people, this, the wisdom that you've offered folks to they're thinking about their church and what they're doing in terms of, of all that. So thank you for being on this. And I'd love, is there any particular way, uh, maybe your church website or some other way that people get, get in touch with you if they uh, wanted to to learn more about uh, where you are and what you're doing? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, before I say that, thank you. I mean, what a great, what a great uh, honor to uh, be called up and, and Hey, uh, I think you've got something to offer. And, and uh, I'm, I am uh, very appreciative of that. Um, uh, and, and, you know, Rob, uh, our study carols for our doctorates were uh, right next to each other, yeah. just like our apartments are right next to each other. And uh, so I have a, a, a memory of uh, one of our um, uh, leaders uh, saying to us, you two were the peacemakers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we often uh, had to make peace. <laughs> I cherish that. Yeah. yeah, I remember those days we would both have to roll back in our chairs and kind of look yes. at each other to talk face to face and we'd roll back in. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. When we couldn't stand, you know, reading one of the 85 books that we yes. read that year. Yes. Uh, yeah. People would roll back and say, all right, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great discussions. Uh, I mean, you know, my website, fumcc.com or .org. Yeah, got to think about that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, First United Methodist of Canandaigua. Um, Probably more important. I mean, if people can reach me, I'm I'm Pastor Bill, uh, fumcc at gmail.com. So that's great. um, That's great. Yeah. And if anybody wants to shovel snow i think bill, uh, bill yes. might have a, have a great opportunity yeah. for you as well yes, i i've got lots of show to snow to shovel and <laughs> i just uh, uh bought a new drive belt for my snowmobile which shredded the other day and i'm off off to the races i really again, think so. when we visit you this is the time of year we need to come visit you because i think yeah. snowmobiling <laughs> would be so much fun it just sounds like oh, man. it just sounds it's amazing <laughs> yeah i can't wait well, again, thank, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on the Changing Churches podcast today. And uh, I would just want to encourage you, if you could connect with us, uh, if you could uh, like the uh, like this, if you found it on a social media site or share it with a friend, uh, one of the best ways you can help us is to subscribe to this through however you download your podcast. That way you won't ever miss an episode as they drop uh, every week. So thanks again for joining us, and uh, we hope you'll join us again. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Changing Churches podcast. Join us next week as we continue learning about church staffing. To find more, go to changingchurches.net or email me at changingchurches at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate, and share the podcast to help others find us.